Hello and welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. As always, here are your hosts, Andy, myself. I'll be covering DP7 number four, and I and my co. Ugh, man, I stink. Let me do this again. <laughs> Reboot it again. Reboot. This is Steven, and I'll cover Justice number four. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave it. How's that? Let's just keep going. The, the long history of butchering our opening lines. So just roll with it. <laughs> I thought leave, having it written out every week for ourselves would help that. But it yeah, doesn't. I keep trying to ad lib and then my brain does not like it that. So it's a lesson I have not learned, but should. <laughs> well, anyway, we're here to talk about the new universe. Right, so Marvel Comics New Universe was a self-contained universe, an imprint uh, started by Marvel Comics by Jim Shooter in 1986 with the launch of eight new ongoing titles. Uh, It was all to celebrate Marvel's 25th anniversary, and it was intended to be more realistic without magic, aliens, or secret histories. No underground mole men. Uh, We ourselves are two chemists and comic book readers who are reading through the new universe two books a week in the order they were released and describe and comment as we go. We'll also give the advertising copy from the Marvel checklist when it's available or Marvel Age magazine, um, because back in 1986, this was all the previews that were available. We don't peek ahead. Uh, We also have uh, website kickersinc.com and if you go to that website you can find our newest contest uh, where we are running the quiz and sweepstakes from the comic books so you can win yourself some copies of new universe books just by attempting to answer the questions if you don't have the books well you can listen to the podcast and get the answers yes we've tried to give the answers whenever they come up in these most recent books um, a little more emphasis um, so hopefully you're all catching on and playing along at home yes the new universe super sleuth sweepstakes yeah thanks marvel that's <laughs> a lot of my microphone works on that <laughs> uh, so this week i'll be covering justice justice is an alien knight exiled to earth by his enemies with no way to return to his home dimension He meets out justice to evildoers everywhere. This week, it had to happen. Justice confronts Damon Conquest, but with his powers cut in half, can he survive the experience? Written by Steve Englehart, penciled by Jeff Isherwood, and inked by Vince Coletta from the previews. Yeah, I have a feeling he will survive the experience, but you don't know. (laughs) It's beyond the edge of your imagination here in the new universe. Nice. <laughs> uh, and, and so this week I'll be covering DP7. Uh, DP7 focuses on a group of seven paranormals, not superheroes, paranormals, uh, on the run from a sinister medical facility. They have a lot of debt. Uh, created to deal with the booming paranormal population. This week, when Mastodon is mistaken for a legendary creature of the North Woods, the DP7 discover they have to find the real truth behind the legend in order to save their friend. That sounds impressive. Uh, but will their discovery sentence someone else, else to death? Wampus, written by Mark Grunwald, penciled by Paul Ryan, and inked by Romeo Tangal. Nice. Gotta, gotta love me some Wampus. 
And uh, as time permits, we'll also be discussing um, what we're looking forward to in the uh, next uh, round of issues, the number fives coming up. Um, is there anything else we'll, we'll be discussing? Uh, not at the end there. You know, we'll grade as we do and got some things to talk about throughout the comic, but I think, I think that'll cover it. Yeah, I feel like we should be last... farther along, like we've been reading these for a while and we're only on issue four, but. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, yeah, if you, if you dig them out, the temptation, of course, is to just read all of one title at a time. And so in an evening, you could knock off the whole year's worth of Merc or something, but right. doing this way is... Yeah, sometimes I'm like, I really got to get to that next uh, next book. Yeah. yeah, I always hold back. I, I mean, I have a few spoilers that I know, but a lot of these books are pretty fresh. I either don't remember what happens or uh, have, have no clue because I haven't read it. Yeah, it's, uh, I'd say maybe one title that I, I remember reading relatively recently. And by that, I still mean two or three years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get into uh, Justice Number Four. Um, Justice Number Four, cover date February 1987, was on the newsstands November 11th, 1986. And uh, cover has actually a, a, a decent shot of justice um, going mano a mano with uh, Damon Conquest, the evil, um, well, wizard, as he calls him, um, that he's been uh, hunting down for the first three issues. Right. So, so in the body of a evil corporate 80s executive. Yes. But that kind of like a white suit. So I don't know if that's that Miami Vice uh, thing is, is taking over there. So um, yeah. it's in Los Angeles. So could go either way. I don't know. Notably, Justice has both of his hands in this cover. Oh, yeah, man. That's kind of a spoiler. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got his... Uh, it's like he's warming up his sword and he's fending off a blast of green energy coming from Conquest. So it's nice. You can see his face, unlike some of the others we've covered this month. Um, and it's a, it's a good sort of uh, action. I'm actually a little surprised they didn't use that green in the new universe logo at the top, because I've noticed the if there's like a predominant color, that's when they'll sort of throw that into the um, new universe logo so that green is pretty um, intense but yeah i still think you're grasping at straws for any meaning behind the color in the logo yeah it's i just noticed it and now i'm giving up on it already so <laughs> this is uh, it's going nowhere folks sorry so splash page we have the title shangra la so shangra la except the city la um, kind of an old reference there, I guess, but okay. Um, and the uh, story is by Sting Steve Engelhart. Pencils are by Joe Statton, uh, guest penciler. And the inks are by Jeff, Jeff Isherwood, been doing the penciling up till now. 
So um, I don't know if you remember the DC crossover Millennium came out a couple years after this. I do. So that was Engelhart and Staten uh, both um, working on that. Yeah, you know, that, that's a good segue that's something I had been thinking about. I, and I think I gave Engelhart a hard time in one of his early issues here where I didn't particularly like the writing. Um, but I think coming out of Millennium, they, he also did a series or started a series called New Guardians. I don't know if you remember right. that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they had and, some very colorful characters in the new cow, right like probably the single greatest ideas for 80s uh comic book villains of well the first issue was a an aids vampire <laughs> and then the second issue had a a uh a guy who's powered by cocaine it's like his superpower was sniffing a bunch of cocaine which would power him up aka the white flame oh my gosh which has got to be yeah that's new guardians issue two <laughs> that's a that's wow. a good one it i probably down... haven't read it in uh since <laughs> since it came out but yeah um, that's amazing after that it, he leaves and it goes downhill but i just sort of remember their like constant threat was um like pw botha like the um prime minister of south africa that who was maybe a mutant or maybe not i don't know is like very yeah, of its time and in, in that uh, choice of uh, antagonists. But, ah, so yeah, a, a good um, pair of creators. Um, Staten's like, yeah, has a track record at this point already. And uh, I think he was doing the Daily Dick Tracy strip and oh, okay. recently. But anyway, to get back to justice. Justice is talking to himself, and on the splash page, he and Becky are sort of holding each other and sitting on sort of a park um, overlooking the city. Um, is that Griffith Park? I'm not sure. The movies have taught me that's what you do in LA, is you sit somewhere <laughs> and overlook the city. Um, yeah, that's probably the nicest looking thing you can do in that city. It's, uh, Let's see. Justice, seven weeks, seven weeks since I lost my sword hand in mortal combat with the slaves of Damon Conquest. Seven weeks since I last saw Becky Chambers. I'm Justice, where they use work the logo into his um, dialogue. And even so, I've missed her more than I've missed my hand. So Becky is there with him, and she has been. Um, she and he talk a bit, uh, recapping the previous adventures um, where he had, uh, the last issue, um, destroyed his hand, basically. She, he had forced a sword blast out of his shield hand, his left hand, and completely took his own right hand off. Um, she recaps that and then talks about how they had taken him to a doctor um, who he was in shock and lost blood and everything. But, and he says um, he did regain his balance and a justice warrior needs his balance physically as well as mentally. And uh, he, we need two hands, the right for offense, the left for defense. 
balance. And okay. <laughs> so yeah, it, Justice is always sort of working his philosophy, I think, into the most prosaic um, conversations, but it, it works for him. He's, he's this, you know, guy, as he says, who are you, Justice? A man from someplace else. Bum, bum. He's, got a, he's got a good sort of intensity in this conversation. Um, he tells her that he, um, his memories, as best he understands them, or that he's from another world where he's from uh, some warm lands that are being threatened by the cold lands. And he thinks he serves to protect spring from winter. And mm. he's not really being very metaphorical here. He's like literally to protect spring from winter. Sounds a little games of Game of Thronesy there almost. Perhaps. Um, and he talks me talks about how he has the shield in his left hand and in his right hand, I have a sword. And he just blows off the bandages on his hand. And she's like, you did it. You he oh, you did heal it the way a lizard can. He responds, I had to. <laughs> so if he was just on vacation, he wouldn't have healed his hand back because he didn't really need it. <laughs> <laughs> If the wizard showed up, he would be, uh, give me a couple of weeks here. I got to grow my hand back. Seven weeks. Seven weeks. Um, and he's, she's like, wow, it's, there's hardly even a scar. And uh, he says that uh, he's tried using switching hands again, but it doesn't really work. It was a very emergency thing. Um, but that he did. So it doesn't seem like he'll be doing that regularly, just switching back and forth. Yeah, kind of a confusing power set. Yeah. You got to, uh, I mean, it's good to like pull a bit of flexibility out, but you don't want to be overdoing it with, oh, my hands are both tied behind my back. I will put my sword out through my own eyes or something. You know, it's like, come on, Justice, just stick to your power set. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so he also mentions the the that the evil wizards in his world had wanted him dead and seemed to have attacked him. And for a reason he doesn't know, their death ray only traveled him to Earth. And uh, we tend to find a reason to talk about this every issue. <laughs> yeah. Without a whole every lot issue of is someone's first clarification. Issue. Yeah. So let's see, he, he, they, they have a, share a nice moment and uh, they talk a little now about Conquest and that he, um, Damon Conquest runs Conquest Dynamics, which I had originally assumed was more of a um, military industrial complex type of company. But as she describes here, it's more of a holding company and sort of a financial, um, what do you call it? It's like evil corporate takeover maneuvering kind of stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. Kind of. Um, so Damon Conquest is basically Mitt Romney, as uh, <laughs> I understand it. But less evil? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> History will judge. Um, Damon runs Conquest Dynamics. It has no function beyond dodging taxes. It doesn't produce any goods officially. So it's a legal fiction for his work, which is taking over other corporations. And I'm a little, you know, 
the uh, the movie Wall Street, I guess, was around uh, out around this time. So I guess this is already starting to be noticed that the idea of just taking over companies and selling them off piecemeal and uh, shipping the manufacturing overseas was a problem uh, was beginning to be noticed, but luckily they wouldn't do anything for about another 30 plus years about that. So. <laughs> yeah, and then immediately start working to undo whatever they did to fix it. <laughs> so he, uh, he talks about, uh, so Damon Conquest is an official vampire. That fits if he's connected to the wizards. But about the unofficial activities, drugs. To operate with Damon's success, you need the big bucks. And uh, she also thinks that he's got bought off some people in the Justice Department. There's people who were had their eye on her when she was getting these files out of the office. So all the stuff they've learned about him, and uh, he's getting ready to go confront him directly. So um, she says that she's uh, she can kind of keep working on him because he's her case after the death of two agents and everyone at Rosie's diner. <laughs> I can only assume that whoever is bought out is maybe who pushed her to keep keep on the case, right? So like in the previous issue, the Conquest's father figure who's been more mysterious is like, well, maybe we can use her to get to him kind of thing a little bit, or at least just emotionally, like they didn't want to kill her and have him freak out, but to kind of maybe more like a hostage thing, because like if your partner died and then your other partner died, like 80s movies, if they taught me anything and like that, that that's so personal to you that you're going to want to stay on the case, but your boss is going to not let you stay on the case and try and make you take <laughs> vacation, right? <laughs> this right. is like Beverly Hills Cop 2 or something, right? Like, yeah, you're close yeah. to this. You can't be rational. You're off the case. You're off yeah, she's case. super close to the case, but still on the case. So yeah, maybe her boss is worth looking at as a suspicious character. <laughs> you ever saw. Or I'm just imagining that, but but it seems a little iffy. Yeah, whatever's going off back at the office, unfortunately, we don't see. So yeah, obviously, you want to keep her in the story, though. So yeah, we. Um, I mean, I know Justice is a solo title, but um, yeah. The, She's not like a perfect um, counterpoint to him, but it's she's good. So we're hoping she'll be around for a while. But. Yeah, hopefully not to die. Yeah, hopefully not to die. Um, let's see. Um, she mentions she's going to the hospital uh, to visit Ernie, the cab driver. So he's, um, he's still in the land of the living, but I think he's out of the book. So Justice is off to confront Damon directly. And uh, as he says, it'll take a Justice warrior. So they sort of kiss goodbye and uh, you can see their auras in the sunset. Notice um, how their auras are the same? Yeah, they're both that like golden color that he always sort of says she has. Well, he said- Justice can see his own aura. He said his aura was like pure white and hers was like shining golden. And now they're both like white and gold. So I'm thinking. They mingle auras some more. Aura mingling must have happened. Oh, man. Off screen because it's a family book. 
It's very discreet. Only violence is shown here. <laughs> like that, uh, oh, yeah, the two pounds after that, kind of. <laughs> yeah, so he, 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 so between the park and the conquest dynamics, it's uh, apparently Skid Row. So he's walking through uh, um, Los Angeles and seeing, I don't know, prostitutes and possibly child prostitutes or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, shaded, shaded man with hat, with hand on little boy. And it's like, come on, Justice, you can't vaporize that guy real quick on the way. <laughs> that seems like a pretty easy case. Open and shut, man. Come on. He says there is evil because there's always evil wherever you go. He gets to Conquest Dynamics and it's a legal fiction, but it commands physical space. And he walks in the door ready to fight his way through officefuls of his thralls, but he's just greeted by a very pleasant looking receptionist. Oh, good evening, Mr. Justin. You're expected. Go right on up, 29th floor. Why, thank you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Very sensible to lead for of Mr. Conquest to leave the less involved out of our meeting, and I think I'll leave the suspended cage out as well. So, yeah, he AKA decides to take the, the elevator. <laughs> yeah, he takes the stairs, and is like, uh, it's better to you know, if he wants to attack me from above and below, that's still better than being dropped in a cage. Does he think he'll tire me out? It's only 29 floors. I guess he doesn't know what a justice warrior is. Yeah. So up he goes and he gets up to the boardroom where I believe we've seen Conquest before. And there sort of glowing green is Damon Conquest. A very good evening, Justice. I wouldn't have dropped you in the elevator. It's, uh, I know you said you didn't read Miracle Man because there's a um, issue uh, two or three of Miracle Man. He goes to meet someone in a boardroom and like tosses them out the window and they're just sort of hanging there glowing green and you're like, oh shit, stuff is about to happen. Uh -huh. um, so, I don't, it reminds me a bit of that scene. But So Conquest, I wanted you for myself. And Justice realizes that's, I, now I know why it feels so dead. Everything in this building is holding uh, back his evil aura. You're more than the next level of Earth's correction, just as I'd hoped. You're a wizard. Ugh, the worst kind of scum. You're a wizard, Harry. No. Yes, a wizard <laughs> like who said, knows the, the score. Kind of yeah. <laughs> The wizard who knows the score and he lights in with uh, some green fire, basically. Yeah, it's, it's not quite as direct uh, looking as Justice's, where it's got like, like a very direct, uh, expandable kind of pinkish red beam. This is, yeah, a lot more kind of like loose and fiery. Yeah, it's a little, uh, a little looser. Justice whips out his sword and is blasting back. And he says, if I survive death in my own land, I'll find a way to survive this assassin. So they're blasting each other with their weapons and justice using his shield and sword and sort of switching back and forth. Finally, he tosses um, 
conquest over to the side with a shield and he's like now while while his protection scattered nothing his sword hand just does nothing uh-oh <laughs> uh-oh conquest doesn't have that problem he lets loose with a big bolt of green energy and justice gives a no less than six e's in that ie he is hurt deep too deep to heal so he's not like a pile of ash like the people that justice uh judges but he is just knocked knocked out lands on the floor and looking pretty bad there yeah no sign of physical damage but maybe his aura is damaged i'm not sure how they fight exactly but i think that's a good you know, way of looking at it is aura versus aura so there's a non-physical aspect to it um so yeah we've got justice on lying on the floor but it's on a stone floor now yeah and he says i i'm still alive he looks up a, out the window and there's several moons and some weird scenery like, and i'm home i returned the same way i rent went power enough to kill me only threw me across the abyss i'm home what are the wow. chances that would happen again seems unlikely but okay this is uh yeah going a mile a minute by uh, some uh, book standards yeah it's quick i wonder maybe that's his paranormal ability <laughs> nice. right i mean he's not a human but he was he experienced the white event hmm interesting so uh webstraw the good wizard of <laughs> justice's country or kingdom I think uh, wizards are kind of like the scientists of the fantasy world. Like, you know, they're always around. They're always advisors, not necessarily trustworthy. Yeah, I like that um, he he assumes all wizards um, that he doesn't know are working for evil, but he's not suspicious of the one who's working with them. I don't know. Um, he just okay. kind of looked, Webstrel just kind of looks suspicious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, he's, he appeared in was it issue two briefly. And while he wasn't uh, suspicious uh, directly, uh, the sort of setup led me to think that was a potential problem. Okay, let's see. So Webstrel's... Uh, Happy to see him. Tenson, where have you been these 13 moon spans? I don't know if time is moving differently there, but. We don't know what a moon span is. Could be seven weeks. So uh, he tells him the king and queen were uh, worried about him, looked everywhere for him. Suddenly he says, Webstrahl, I remember it all. I've been on another land, a land called Earth. I could only remember parts of my past. How goes the warfare? Not well, Justice. You were the linchpin to our success. Without you, the warriors have fought bravely, but without inspiration. The wizards of the Wizardlands, Winterlands, have gained an arcane force which corrodes our shields and cuts our swords. Justice knows, I know it comes from Earth. 
There's a wizard there. He's in the name Demon Conquest. He almost killed me. My hand failed me. Webstraw takes a look at his hand and he says, sorry, Tenson, it's contaminated. Ooh, you got some earth on it. Yeah, it's like the alien earth, air you breathe, the alien food and drink filled your aura with alien energies. And so when you formed your hand, you created something impure. Ooh. It says the... Maybe you maybe did more mingling than we knew. <laughs> your impurities will fade away, but uh, the hand is formed. Oh, he may he's be almost like he's almost like one of those like natural nuts in modern real life. You know, it's like, well, we must remove the toxins. That's right. Yeah, these non-specific things that you know, just put this cream on, and the toxins will be drawn out. So, uh, yeah, Webster doesn't really seem very like uh, giving him a lot of hope. So. And he also doesn't say, like, why don't you just blow your hand off again and grow it over again when you get back? He says, uh, let's go to the king or queen and uh, uh, make a report. So Justice sort of reflects for a moment and stares off into space and we see um, him thinking about Damon Conquest and Rebecca Chambers and I think Marty Roth. I don't know why that that face comes back to haunt him, but he's like, I'll be back someday. <laughs> I don't now think so, I, Marty. Now that I know the war is being fought on Earth as well, I'll have to go back. Now that I know what's happened to me, I'll be back. It's a good Terminator line. Okay, you'll be back. So, um, the king is sleeping, but you may report to Queen Endolana. She's a uh, Pretty happy to see Justice. Um, you know, let me talk to him alone, wizard. Uh, sure, yeah, okay. Um, Webstraw goes out the door and then immediately makes like a way of seeing them inside the room. Yeah, it's like a little like portal through the door kind of thing, though obviously just one-sided. I knew that so, guy was a creep. Yeah, he, he may just be trying to see some action here, so I don't know. <laughs> so she's like, I saw you uh, die with the assassin's assault. And he says, oh, I remember everything now. I remember I called you Chandra to keep you incognito. Whatever, man. Okay. <laughs> or, or maybe you just changed the name between the two issues. I don't know. But anyway. And Alana um, tells her, uh, her heart is yours, my love. I saw you die. They kiss. Justice uh, getting almost as much action as Ken Connell here. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, man, like kill count zero, but smooching count two. Like, is, is this star brand we're reading here? What's going on? <laughs> the, um, yeah, the funny thing is how his aura is so pure, but he is like not said once like there's any conflict between having a girl and he's like a sailor girl in every port. Hey, if she's, from, if she's from a different planet, it doesn't count. <laughs> and they like look alike and have the same aura too. So, yeah, I'm well, let's hope there's some interesting uh, connection there. He could have at least said, you know, I got a girlfriend now or something. <laughs> she may be on another planet. 
she's also she's single look uh, this is complicated yeah. <laughs> and kind of so he tells her all his backstory and they sort of fast forward with that and she's like oh it's fabulous like a fable from the caliphate all very like nice uh, uh otherworldly stuff and suddenly uh webstrahl notices um the king is coming king therion is um coming down the stairs and he goes to hide in the corner and he's like, I could mount a diversion, alert Tenson, he is my friend. Nah. He just goes and hides, the little weasel. This is going to be more interesting or illuminating. King Therion comes in and he's not having it. Hail and heat. (laughs) Majesty. (laughs) Yeah, as we said before, um, this aspect of the story is basically Lancelot and um, King Arthur and Guinevere and I guess Merlin. So we've got um, Justice not back five minutes without um, the King catching him and realizing what's going on between uh, Justice and the Queen. And um, yeah, he's they're they're, um, busted basically. Silence the pair of you. The silence of the grave. He's got Ooh. some scepter or it's like a flamey laser whip kind of deal. Yeah. And just like he's lighting a blowtorch. <laughs> it's yeah, it's lights up. And Justice is not um well, he's a soldier, you know. He's like, he has the right and I'm the, the wrong, and I can't raise my hands against him. I submit to justice. So you were the best, Tenson. I leaned on you to save the realm, but next page, Justice is back in Damon Conquest boardroom. Um, and Conquest is talking on the phone to dad, his dad or whoever. And Justice is like, what the heck? Conquest has it back to him. So he doesn't, he, he keeps talking for a second. This is doesn't know what the heck happened. I couldn't have survived that. The Null Lance is nothing at all like the bleak force. And he hadn't even hit me yet anyway. But then he sees there's a gun on Conquest's desk. Yep, that'll Ooh. work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Any port in a storm. I've got another chance. You know, he could have just tried the sword again. I, I got the feeling it was it wasn't that it was kaput, it was just sort of you know on and off why take any chances when there's a nine millimeter right there that's very true so he picks up the gun and he's about to shoot conquest i've got another chance suddenly he's got the king just uh to the right of him um about to light him up with that whatever that is the null lance i guess yeah what so panel to panel it switches back and forth and um, Justice is like trying to jump out of the way of the king frying him and shoot conquest in the next, you know, opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, they just keep he keeps bouncing back and forth and like running. Everybody's running into each other and like no, nobody's really landing, diving yeah. and hitting the wall and stumbling Stanton into the king. Yeah, very action-packed looking. Uh, there's the um, 
camera angle, I guess, and everything. Everyone's jumping around and it's very chaotic. Yeah. So let's see. Conquest jumps across the table and the queen is, is yelling, Tenson, what's happening? I don't know. I'm switching back and forth. So Conquest jumped at him, but he was in the wrong place and he hit the wall instead. So Justice just shoots him with the nine millimeter. And now, and he just stands there. Conquest runs out, I guess, the back door. And he's just standing there in the boardroom. I thought, but I'm still here on Earth. Looks like he's stuck. And then he, yeah, like he was expecting, like when he shot Conquest, you know, because like it seemed like anytime somebody attacked each other, they teleported. But at this point, he stops, and then he's apparently so taken aback that he stopped switching and all the switching stuff that he just lets Conquest walk away with a gunshot to the arm. Yeah, it's a little. Um... I don't know if Conquest needed to like try to kill him again to send him back. I think he wanted to be back in his world after this, but he is now stuck in our world again. Um, and he does not appear to take a second shot. So we have a kill count of zero for this issue. Kiss count two, kill count zero. Not for lack of yeah, trying. Like you but... said, he. They've just done some work cleaning up the neighborhood on the way to uh, Conquest Dynamics, but okay. Um, and he, he says, I remember, I remember everything this time. So he picks up the phone that I guess uh, Conquest had been talking on and just says, you're next, dad. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So injustice number five, borderline. Unfortunately, no uh, mailbox uh, mail column. Yeah, I'm not really sure what borderline means in this case either. I thought it was the Madonna song. <laughs> but why you would bring, bring that up? Some the, key information we can decode from the Madonna song. <laughs> Keep on pushing my love over the borderline. No, I can't really get anything. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think Becky Chambers is clearly the number two planetary girlfriend, though. Seems like he was ready to drop her and stay in his world. I mean, I understand that, you know, if he has his choice between our world and his world, he'd prefer his world. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. If, uh, if he's stuck in our world, then it's time to call up uh, Becky again. And, uh, because <laughs> aura is a mingling it's got the all the setups of the classic bad uh hallmark and uh like romance movies where you know we he's out of place in a strange world and you know at first they don't quite get along but then they grow to love each other but then he has to return to his home planet and then in the end either he comes back or she goes to get him but i guess he came back yeah so love can go on. Yeah. He needs to like go running through an airport. Becky, I'm sorry. I realized you're the only one for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What was it? Somebody said like the only two 
stories that exist are a stranger comes to town or um you know someone goes on a journey like all uh all stories can kind of fit within those two realms to some degree and this is quite clearly a stranger comes to town sounds reasonable i think uh did the I got you stumped there. Didn't story I? possibilities, yeah, seemed a little rough. The story possibilities of you know a bunch of people who you know always around each other and just sort of yeah, I guess we should start dating. Yeah, it's not as dramatic. <laughs> so let's see. This was a super focused story, and like unlike some other new universe titles I can think of where the action starts on page 19. Yeah. It started on page 10 and did not let up. So um, that was fun. Um, yeah, we got a little interlude back to his home world, but then, you know, right back into to fighting. And, yeah, know. I got to admit, I kind of, I mean, and the one, it, it sort of, you know, it didn't conclude because he didn't kill Conquest, but um, it did feel like it ramped up, like he had gotten through this like next boss fight and yeah. ready to go on to the next stage for the end game. And um, yeah, so I mean, it kind of starts with at a good like point in his story and takes it up another notch. Um, and it leaves you hanging, but in a good way, that sort of, um, I'm coming for you. <laughs> but uh, that reminds me of, I think, Rambo. In the, he's like captured and he's, he's making some radio call to some guy who's sold him out or something. He's like, I'm coming for you next or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Where yeah. all the heck breaks loose. <laughs> um, Let's see. Yeah, we didn't I do kind of like Justice building. not knowing. Um, what? Oh, not knowing what? Like his own story very well. Like that being um, sort of amnesiac gives him an interesting quality. Maybe it sort of adds to his innocence a bit, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, I guess it's good that they didn't kill off the main villain already right like so Damon conquest is still around uh, even if perhaps his dad is the big boss of the kind of thing and we haven't really like quite unraveled their scheme yet in terms of I mean it seems like they're on earth to funnel evil energy you know maybe they're you know harnessing the pain and suffering with their drugs they give out or something or maybe they have some crazy magic drug that steals or uh, who knows? I mean, it's that's actually yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, they might have an an angle that we haven't even um, yeah. We definitely at. don't understand what's going on with Justice is teleporting because at first it seemed like you got it figured out. Like every time he dies, he doesn't die; he just moves to the other planet. Mm -hmm. um, but then it starts to get a little out of control there too. So it just seems like. <laughs> Anytime some action happened, like someone take a dive at you or someone took a swing with their, you know, laser lance and yeah. 
Yeah. If you're not dying, you seem to be teleporting and then it kind of stopped. So Yeah, mystery. I really like that kind of reality game where you don't it, it gets us back to the is, he, is this magic we don't understand or is he just crazy? <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking about the wizard as we were talking about him too, is if if you can read if he justice can read everyone's aura. And clearly the wizard could kind of see the auras too. I'm not sure if that's like a basic skill that everyone on his planet can do, but like you would kind of know then if someone was up to no good, like if the wizard wasn't really his friend and he really had evil intentions, then, I mean, he couldn't really hide it then, right? Because he would have, his aura wouldn't be, you know, clean and nice and pure. Yeah, I think it's, because he didn't sort of scan everyone and that's how he missed Hoyt, the previous issue. Um, it's like an active scan. So yeah. I don't know if he needs to do it as he meets everyone and talks to everyone. And sometimes that like, yeah, Hoyt was just jealous. And so he realized that the guy was yeah, he's uh, still a good man and you know, honest, but misunderstanding. yeah. So stuff like that, it's a little hard to say with uh, the people back home. They seem a little more morally ambiguous than you'd expect when it's like the queen and king of spring. <laughs> you know, it's like a bunch of jerks. Are you sure you want to go back there, Justice? I don't know. <laughs> Why does winter have to be bad? Why can't spring be bad? All those allergies. <laughs> so yeah, I, I yeah. I, I enjoy those sort of, uh, I think I just saw like an ad for a new Chris Pratt movie or TV show of, where he's like full of um, implanted memories and like starts, you know, one reality starts overlapping onto another. So he's doing some sneaky gunfight thing and suddenly a memory of his daughter standing around doing something. So. Mm. You can do all kinds of fun things with those, and um, I don't know. Yeah. The uh, memory loss—it's not exactly situation. memento. Yeah, it's not exactly memento, but it's—it's um, it's a good sort of keeps justice from being overpowered. I think, I guess, but yeah. maybe if you know his memory is all he needs to really take down the people here. Now we'll see. We'll see. <sighs> I guess we know what's happening next. He's going to the borderline. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all we've got. <laughs> all right, you so got a grade for this one? Yeah. I'm trying to think it through. I mean, there's not nothing really wrong. Like there's no low points, no bad things. The, the story's moving, it's moving in interesting directions. The art was fine. Um, you know, nothing like blew me away. Uh, but it was interesting to see, uh, you know, things advance. So it was all around good stuff. Um, yeah, I think my grade for that kind of thing is just got to be B plus, right? Like this is a good book and it's advancing the story and it was entertaining to read. Yeah, I will. Uh... I will agree with uh, almost all of that and just uh, being a little bit more of a soft touch, take it up to A minus. All right. You always were the easy grader. <laughs> <laughs> you got lower uh, standards. 
I, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like to be the judge of the world. That's fair. All right. So, shall we take a break for a minute and then come back with displaced paranormals? Perhaps seven of them. Well, let's do it. Okay, welcome back. Just in time to talk about DP7 issue number four, Beware the Wampus, which does sound kind of scary, right? So uh, cover is the whole of DP7, and basically everyone is surrounding uh, David Landers, our big, strong, hairy, bald man uh, down on the ground, and behind him is like a shadowy figure. Uh, presumably the wampus that we should all be aware of. <laughs> Again, I think we talked about it last time. Like, there's not a lot of like real history of wampus. It's not as common as the uh, Sasquatch or something like that. Um, but we've got a good recap here. So I, th I thought I'd read it um, to remind us all what's going on in DP7. It says, once there were seven ordinary human beings, then the change came over them. And for unguessable reasons, they began to develop bizarre superhuman powers. They met at a clinic, set up to deal with paranormal problems like theirs, but left when they discovered that something sinister was going on there. Now, banding together for their own protection, seven paranormals face an uncertain future in a world that has disowned them. DP7. Created by Mark Grunewald and Paul Ryan. Wampus. <laughs> so, uh, we start at a roadside... Yeah, I like... Yeah, go uh, ahead. This this was maybe the first time uh, one of the books had one of those sort of Marvel standard, let me sum up the whole book for you in, in a paragraph at the beginning. Um, yeah, I always like those. So yeah, we, we, we had to sort of reverse engineer the ones we've been using, but if the other books pick them up or something, we can go. Can't hurt to remind, right? So. Yeah, you know, trapped in a world they didn't make, uh, hated and feared by the world that sworn to protect, blah, blah, blah. That's <laughs> good. not sworn yeah. to protect anybody. an idea of what you're in for. They're just trying to get some food. Not at all, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> roadside rest stop in Marinette County, That's Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, well, all of them too, but... Um, on a whim, I looked up Marinette County, Wisconsin, and it's sort of in the northeast of Wisconsin. Uh, some of it borders Lake Michigan, uh, but it looked pretty rural uh, and somewhat wooded. So it actually kind of fits uh, pretty well what we've been seeing in the book so far, fights in the woods and driving on back roads kind of thing. Um, but our opening scene is uh, Dave Landers, right? Our mastodon. Uh, underneath his truck, lifting it up with, holding it up with one hand on a flashlight. Uh, Scuzz is calling him a show off. And uh, interestingly, uh, which seems to be a little bit of a theme here, uh, Lenore mentions that, you know, he seems like, judging by how long he's been holding that, he seems like he's even stronger than when they tested him at the clinic. So perhaps our heroes are gaining strength in their powers. 
you might respond to that whoop de do Yeah, so we'll hear a bit of more of that as we go through this issue. Yeah, uh, but basically they're trying to figure out how they keep getting tracked. So um, DP7 is always a challenge to go over. There's a ton of conversation and all generally good, but you know, I'm trying to kind of uh, hit the main points here. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah, they're uh, hanging out. Yeah. I, I like that the antibodies in the background, you know, just kind of observing and, and hanging out and just, you know, not really doing anything, but he's just just there. Uh, they're trying to figure out what's following them uh, and of course there's that paranormal woman back at the clinic that can basically see through their eyes um, but they don't know that and they're, they're starting to kind of figure it out like well maybe there's a paranormal that's watching us um, the book is great though again uh, you know props to Paul Ryan like as all this conversations going on there's just interesting stuff in the background you know the uh, Scuzz is writing his name on the picnic yeah. bench with, with like character moments and, from yeah. Scuzz and uh, nice little bits here in Lenore. <laughs> and um, so a, a car starts coming and they all kind of scatter because you know they're a bunch of oddballs and they're also worried that uh it might be the hunters back again for like the third time uh, who just keep tracking them down um but it's really more like uh like the griswolds showing up on vacation <laughs> <laughs> um but minus one of the kids i guess uh okay dougie you and mom go see the plumber while i check out the old maparoo and see if we're anywhere near nicolette park <laughs> sure pop <laughs> uh, yeah, like they, they do sort of open with comedy in, in several of these issues i've noticed yeah it's a good balance <laughs> um but yeah so you know he's kind of gawking and lenora is out there and stephanie who's glowing more now uh landers was out who's huge and wears almost like a bathrobe slash kimono um and charles says, manson in a kimono yeah yeah it's like this guy looks like charles manson one of the women's dressed like lamont cranston i had to look that up though did you the shadow shadow yeah i just thought that was the most amazingly like anachronistic reference i've seen <laughs> yeah it's perfect it's just got, i mean they, oh go ahead i mean yeah this was it was 40 or 50 years old at this point so you know um the if that's like the first thing on someone's mind in 1986 it's uh surprising <laughs> yeah and they made a movie it was maybe even liam neeson as the shadow no no alec baldwin alec baldwin yeah that's right yeah yeah if you also that was it, the 90s so that wouldn't have happened yet yeah but if they the shadow has a um comic book from dc coming up in a couple of years because kyle baker did a long run on it oh, okay i would recommend that highly actually it starts with bill sankovich and then goes into kyle baker can't go wrong okay if i didn't already have like 200 issues of different marvel comics i haven't read yet <laughs> i might jump on that <laughs> but yeah the dad scuttles his family back into the car it's like they look like they're in a cult or something um and again just kind of sets up you know a lot of what's going on in this issue is uh, little moments with the characters kind of feeling down about themselves a little, a little more self-reflection uh here uh, even more so than action uh, as they're 
you know, they're getting further and further away from the clinic and, uh, you know, having to deal with each other. I like that. Uh, then David Mastodon's kind of, you know, worried about Stephanie and also kind of has this, this huge crush on her. And he says, I can't imagine why she married a skunk bucket like her husband. <laughs> I like the term skunk bucket there. Yeah. His, uh, feelings run deep there for David. Yeah, he's got his schoolboy crush, I think, as he calls it later. Um, so again, you know, kind of going through, you know, we cut to Jeff, our speedster, running around uh, looking for food, uh, which is a constant struggle for him. You know, like really just like tough for him to survive in this world uh, since he's left the clinic and they're all you all you can eat buffet with the side of brainwashing. Um, <laughs> but you know, he's struggling to find something. Basically, you know, clearly he can run fast enough that basically no one notices him and just goes by too quick. Um, but he ends, ends up finding a family reunion picnic. Uh, uh, but again, he's sort of down on himself too. You know, he doesn't feel good about having to steal food. Uh, you know, he said, I feel like some freaking vampire. Ha, that's me. Jiffy Jeffy Walters, food vampire. boo <laughs> <laughs> So again, it's funny, but like, he's also kind of bummed. <laughs> um, it's a tough life, right? I mean, they're all away from their families and such, but, um, it sets up a pretty funny scene uh, where he's basically breezing through the picnic and, you know, he swipes the burger midair uh, as the cook is flipping it on the grill, uh, basically wipes out the burgers on the grill, uh, steals hot dogs, you know, so from panel one to panel two, like everybody's plate is emptied. Yeah, he was, he did not hold back there at all. Yeah. yeah, lots of burgers and fries. Uh he calls it uh you know going back a little bit but he says yumma gumma folks, a crazy autumn wind is about <laughs> to blow through your food tent, so look out. <laughs> so I like Jeff. <laughs> and he steals some poor guy's beer as he's pouring it out of the tap. I was like, "Well, that'll hold me for a few hours before the team makes their their usual evening slop stop." <laughs> But he comes back to the group to kind of ex explain how like they let him know where they're going so he can catch up so they don't have to wait for him, which doesn't really seem to bother him. Um, you know, our, our doctor, uh, Randy, is kind of you know, moralizing a lot in this, too. It's like, you know, I wonder who he stole from this time, you know, where David's just like, well, what's he going to do? Or like, he has to eat. Like, you know, we, we can only do so much. Yeah, he's got that nice... Uh threatening fist you, you oh yeah the shaking fist is great <laughs> yeah the uh let me see andy had uh, just said a minute before that um he he kind of wishes they'd all just leave wisconsin and go you know put a few states between them and the clinic yeah but, uh, we, we've seen that randy's advice isn't always worth taking so Although that one seems pretty sensible. Yeah, though I, I wonder how effective it would even be. I mean, we get the impression, I think, from the books that there are multiple clinics. Uh, and yeah. I, I, I don't think, as, as they wondered, you know, the, the readers sort of know, like, I don't think there's per se a big distance limit to uh, the woman and the clinic's ability to spy on them. So, I mean, they, they, they're probably just on borrowed time at this point. 
Yeah, I think she was, um, yeah, she didn't say anything about a limit or any. Anytime yeah. we might need a new squad of hunters to uh, track them down after the, the first crew has failed so many times. Yeah, that's kind of uh, what we're expecting now. It could come at any moment. So that's, they, they realize they're also sort of, uh, that's their predicament. So. Yeah. So, so we sent Jeff back to the trailer, right? So, so again, they're all traveling with a truck with, you know, David and Randy driving up in the front and then everyone else is riding in the trailer behind, which used to be uh, David's home. Uh, so everybody's in the back. Uh, Jeff kind of blurs in there and he's comical and kind of, you know, joking around and perhaps annoying everybody. Uh, starts making fun of Scuzz's smell. He's like, yeah, I can't do anything about it. Some some clothes smell worse when my acid burns through them. <laughs> Again, that's like, the second uh, yeah, one that's getting stronger, supposedly. Yeah, it seems like it. So I don't know if they're buying him new clothes or just burning through like somebody's wardrobe that they stopped for her. But yeah, it's burning through the chair. So he they argue, you know, uh, threatened to kind of grab until uh grab him with his acid hands until lenore steps in and kind of scolds them and says boys you must not fight amongst ourselves we need each other to survive uh which is very true uh yeah so lenore's uh high school teaching uh, experience comes up i guess right on <laughs> so she's she's definitely the oldest uh so she's probably uh again in, in kind of an interesting situation uh with all these people who don't necessarily get along they got along well in the clinic but it's a little harder when you know the stress of on the road and escaping uh, so, so they break for dinner uh, the normal looking ones get to go in and eat and then they bring takeout back for the rest so mammoth and uh, stephanie is glowing now so and this is relatively new um, so she can't go in and lenore is you know again she's shines with that energy vampire light and it's all covered up weird uh can't go in as well uh, jeff uh got you know hit by her power so that's something that they do a lot uh, lenore will use her powers on jeff which just slows him down enough to look normal for a little while mm. but uh, yeah yeah go yeah ahead. i don't know if uh like any of the other like scuzz's power would slow down or it just put him to sleep, probably. Yeah, I think it probably would just put him to sleep. Yeah, it's just because Jeff's always like overdone and like, yeah, vibrating. His power is kind of having too much energy, I guess, right? Like too fast. So, like it wouldn't make the others less strong or such. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're all kind of, I mean, probably feeling a little bummed out that they didn't get to go in. Um, and they're kind of the outcasts. Uh, Stephanie's kind of complaining about her glow, and David is kind of flirting, or really likes her. So he's like, oh, no, it's not that bad. It's like, we'll turn out the light. Like, really, she glows really brightly. Uh, he, he makes some awkward line of, you got to admit, it's still better than being trapped in a Neanderthal's body. In fact, under the right circumstances, your glow could be, well, romantic. <laughs> <laughs> She's kind of put taken aback by that a little bit, maybe. Uh, you, know, you better turn the light back on, Dave. I can barely see what I'm doing. And he kind of thinks to himself, like, did she start glowing brighter when I said romantic? Like, you know, what what is causing this to happen? 
Uh, but yeah, as, as soon as I finished this, he left some normal clothes to wear. So she's making a making him an outfit uh, that doesn't look like a monk's bathrobe or something. Uh, but she says you'll be able to go out in public too. So yeah, she's trying to help him to be part of the public facing team, figuring that she's never going to be. And then, uh, as as readers clearly demanded, we get a, a uh, old lady Lenore <laughs> shower scene. <laughs> Because you demanded it. <laughs> Thanks, readers. Yeah. Trying to figure out if she wears a wig or not. I think that is. Yeah, I didn't realize it either because I, you, the hair shouldn't do anything. But yeah, the, she's wearing a wig to protect people from seeing maybe even her hair has this weird glow. And yeah, that's the best so. I can figure because it looks like she has long hair tied up underneath. So like her wig looks like her normal hair but it covers her hair so yeah perhaps, yeah perhaps every last bit of her shines with that um so a little bit of introspection from her too and she's kind of happy to be able to not be totally covered and you know uh, what am i going to do in the heat of the summer <laughs> uh but for now she's happy to be uh free in the shower and you can see the light beaming out the window uh, which is coincidentally noticed by a bunch of yokels in the woods <laughs> what <laughs> that weird uh, light yeah. that's it it's gotta be come on so something's going on yeah we uh we're getting some uh some yokels as you said they do tend to show up in these books <laughs> I think, uh maybe that's a good reason for staying around uh wisconsin as you can uh... i like to think of them as distant cousins to the guys that uh Jenny and Spit, Jenny Spitfire Swenson saved in her robot suit when they were rolling down the hill in their truck. <laughs> Make the connections. Uh, so anyway, so you know, then we kind of cut back to the uh, restaurant diner where they're uh, having more conversation and kind of like, what what should we do here? Uh, you know, was everybody at the, at the clinic really that bad? Maybe a little bit of foreshadowing here, like their therapist seemed nice. You know, like maybe she didn't know what the higher ups were up up to as far as that goes. Um, nice line from Skazinski. You know, that's the problem with you guys. Here's our big chance to be a gang of outlaws, and you want to be a debate team. <laughs> Here's our food. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we've had this conversation or references to it uh, once or twice already. So hopefully this is will go somewhere where we, we see factions within the clinic, perhaps. Um, yeah, no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> All right, so cut back to the trailer. And <laughs> yeah, David Landers is schoolboy crushing. And that's basically what he says, you know. Past few weeks, all I've thought about is having some alone time with Steffi. Uh, that's what I now that I do, it feels strange, awkward. Uh, being close to her makes me start to have foolish thoughts. I feel like a blasted schoolboy with a crush. I better get out of here. I'm liable to make a pass at her. And if she were to reject me like any sane woman would, I don't know what I'd do. It's just like, um, um uh, I gotta go outside and stretch my legs or something. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly uh, Ken Connell's smooth. Mm, that body that we get all the time but you know yeah but it's, it's relatable yeah and we don't know we never got to see what he looked like uh before 
you know but as he kind of said like the beard grew like he lost his hair uh you know got huge and hairy body so he could have been just like a very normal uh young guy uh so even though you're mega buff now and super strong like you know there's there's not a lot of social advantage to that so he's bummed out <laughs> yeah he's gotten sort of way over the top in terms of like how much uh attractiveness you get from increased muscle and sort of testosterone uh, yeah so and he's got a pee lenora's using the shower uh but he went out into the woods and that's where our team of shotgun toting forest weirdos is (laughs) it's him it's the wampus what (laughs) what a flipping (laughs) idiot i am clinic goons all over so he thinks it's the clinic at first uh, yokels what i tell you sheriff it's a wild beast man that was killing my cattle and that's him i don't believe it look <laughs> at the size of that thing <laughs> you've been convicted of being large at night i guess <laughs> I so like he's surprised yeah he's just surprised at first when he starts talking he's like what's going on you know like i can talk what are you guys doing it's like <laughs> beast man what the they don't back down though they're they're convinced that he's 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 their their cattle mutilator cock their guns and you know, it's like oh cripes <laughs> uh, so yeah they, they they've got him um yeah, yeah i may be strong but i'm not bulletproof yeah so he gets down on the ground and kind of is forced to listen to what these idiots are uh, are saying to him you know they tie him up you know he thinks to himself of course i can break through these but then what uh better wait for my chance they kind of string a rope around his neck and you know start hauling him away and don't really listen much to what he says don't play innocent with us wampus you know (laughs) i mean if he if he couldn't talk it would make more sense but if he can talk and they're still calling him wampus and then right (laughs) yeah well i mean once they were convinced you know they're not so willing to change their minds i guess You mutilated three of my prize Herefords, two of Jake's, and left their carcasses out to rot, you murdering beast. Boy. This is, hopefully this doesn't put a stain on the reputation of uh, Wisconsin. Uh, I, I think it's... Uh, Too late. Un- <laughs> it's a, it's a sort of a universal farmer, yokel kind of stereotype here, so I don't know. It's hard to give it a particular, like, this could only happen in Wisconsin. (laughs) Well, maybe it'd be something that wasn't wampus related then. Although, yeah, wampus seems to be like very much a local legend. Yeah, they say local Native American legend, even though not much extrapolation there. So, yeah, not a lot of, not a lot of internet information on wampus. I mean, it's a good sort of setup. You've got a local legend and a series of mysterious occurrences. And one of your uh, protagonists gets blamed by accident or something. Yeah. There you go. Just because he was embarrassed to talk to Stephanie. <laughs> well, he also needed to pee, and Lenora was hogging up the bathroom. So that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that like trailer home bathroom's got to be micro size. Yeah, I wonder if he would even, he would even fit in it. 
but we don't need to get into the logistics of that. <laughs> uh, right, so the, so the rest of the team come back, bring food back. Uh, Stephanie tells them that David's kind of gone missing. You know, they, they kind of do a quick search. Uh, everybody kind of running out. Jeff is obviously can search pretty fast, and the antibody goes out as well. Um, they don't find him right away. Um, you know, obviously, they don't think he's run away. Something must have happened to him. Um, and you know, so they've clearly given up a little bit. Um, getting to nighttime, you know, we show that Lenore is kind of using her power to zap Jeff so that he can power down, but also sleep. Uh, so she, he's quite dependent on her um, as far as things go. And, uh, you know, kind of Randy's kind of complaining in his mind of, you know, like, what do we do? We're at risk if we stay in one place too long. Where are you, Dave? Uh, Dave's in jail. <laughs> That's a great transition. We're in like a nine panel grid now. And it's like, you got to like uh, the same profile shot of Randy and then switch to Dave. Yeah, that's absolutely, it was, it was nice. Um, so yeah, he's, you know, kind of recapping what happened. Like they questioned him, fingerprinted him. He gave him a fake name. You know, he's trying to, again, trying to figure out what to do. Like I could break out, no problem. He bends the bars, but you know, then I'll have the police after me forever. And you know, well, he's not so hard to spot, right? Um, running away is going to make him look guilty. And obviously he didn't kill the cows. Uh, you know, come to think of it, probably his all his ID would be like look like his old self. Yeah, so, so it wouldn't yeah. be very good. <laughs> yeah, very fake you know, looking. This is before the government might have had like DNA samples on all of us or something. So <laughs> indeed. Anyway, so uh, but the antibody finds him. You know, he sends it like, ah, go tell Randy quick. So, Antibodies goes away fast, although he forgot to mention to the antibody that he used a fake name. Uh, so when Randy comes to kind of rescue him from prison, it's like, hey, I, my, you got my friend, this giant six foot seven bald guy. Uh, he uses the wrong name. So the police are, are, are suspicious from the get go, wondering if he's a reporter trying to get the scoop on the wampus. And these guys are really <laughs> wampus centric. You know, this is a bit like um, uh, the legend of Boggy Creek. Um, it's like an old mystery science theater uh, movie where you got one of these local legend Sasquatch things. Right? Now that I think about it, yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, so the police aren't buying it. They don't just let him out because because he says they know it. So although they have really no evidence that he is the Wampus or has done anything to cattle. Big strange man is enough to keep him in jail for a while, I guess. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't so it goes. It, yeah. Um, oh, I, I like that Dave gives him, like, oh, our, um, my, uh, your auntie didn't mention I'm going by my stage name. Uh, auntie equals antibody. Yeah. <laughs> it's, cl it's clever. It's a cute, uh, yeah. I like that he named himself Jumbo Jim Johnson, too. <laughs> Jumbo Jim Johnson, my all-star wrestler. Yes. Yeah, but, but that doesn't match what the <laughs> what Randy had told the police. So, whoops. 
So we end up. Finding- yeah, I think even if they get the the Wampus thing cleared up, now he's like uh, still liable for charges related to false name and all that. Yeah, I don't know. If they keep you in prison for giving a false name, but for a day or so, they probably could. Uh, but yeah, so they're kind of stuck, right? So Randy goes back. You know, what do we do? How do we get him out? Uh, you know, are we all going to end up in jail? Uh, I like these. Dennis says, "You yanking me? Who do you think you are, Magnum PI?" <laughs> it's good. Perfect. Yeah. Full PI reference. Uh, so yeah, so Randy says he wants to prove his innocence by catching who really is causing the cow mutilations. So yeah, that's where the Magnum PI reference goes in. Um, the animal mutilation thing's kind of interesting. Um, I, I remember hearing about these kind of things as something that maybe happened and you know shows up a lot in movies kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a, there's actually a pretty extensive Wikipedia page on animal mutilation history and such. Yeah, um, yeah a lot of like 1970s things. Um, like people started to kind of uh, freak out when they'd find dead cows that had like, they looked like precise surgical cuts, like it was cut with a knife or like the eyes were missing or some organ was missing and, you know, just very suspicious, strange things happening to uh, livestock, especially cows, but not necessarily. Um, and so like people thought it was like satanic cults uh, who were you know, performing ritual sacrifices, you know, maybe the government is experimenting, you know, the whole list of conspiracy theories, UFOs are doing it. I think there's a lot well, of jo- jokes. According about to that. Kickers, uh, Kickers Inc. number three, that's uh, cults have a lot of fun. And you <laughs> <laughs> it usually just ends up with someone hanging themselves, right? They, they didn't hurt any animals. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> Boy. Uh, but yeah, was, what's interesting is like it, they, they, there was enough uh, hubbub about it raised that actually like some government agencies looked into it like mm. like took it seriously you know spent a bunch of time interviewing trying to figure out what was going on and you know it, it's hard to be conclusive but it sounds basically like um it was just natural causes uh, which is interesting that your united states government ended up doing a study where they i think you know, killed a cow and just watched it for 48 hours, you know, with cameras and supervision, just kind of left it out in the field. And as it died and kind of decomposed, uh, like what they saw just naturally explained really most of the weird looking things that farmers were noticing. You know, I mean, because usually livestock, you know, they don't make it out to their normal lifespan. And then if it dies, you're not just going to leave it lying there for a while either. You know, you probably take care of it right away. Uh, but like just decomposing, like you know, their skin—it sounds kind of gross—but like their skin would break and it would look surgical, you know. And they might not bleed, and mm. you know, uh, different pests might come and you know eat at it and things. And it really could kind of explain most of it. So <laughs> it's it's an odd bit of uh, of interest there. Um, but I think like the pop culture piece of like aliens abducting cows and like tearing them up still hangs, still hangs out there. Uh, but the actual evidence piece, and, Hey, we actually looked into this and figured out that it, it, 
just nobody was used to the strange things that happens when a cow decomposes and predators get at them. Hmm. You know, that kind of explains it. So, a little informational aside, in case anybody wanted to know the, the real facts of animal mutilation. Probably and now not, you know. Probably not <laughs> Satanists. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, now we've got the team Let's on the, the case. Dive. <laughs> <laughs> Remember CSI when it started up with be more of a science approach to things where they, yeah, try to recapitulate um, with animals, like what had happened to some corpse. So mm. interesting. Yeah, before it got a little out of control and they had to have four different shows yeah. worth of material. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, the team's yeah. on the case, right? You know, they go out and start questioning people, uh, trying to figure out what's going on, interviewing kids. Everybody's kind of like a little put off by Scuzz and because he's steaming all the time and smoking. I like that he Time for a montage. Yeah. yeah. I like that he explains that he's carrying smoke pellets as if that kind of makes <laughs> sense. I'm a magician. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Scuzz... We, we zip around through like Jeff just running around and Charlie in the library. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, she's a college student, so that makes yeah. sense. Everyone's sort of using their, their own little sort of niche. And, uh, but yeah, Scuds is the funniest, uh, pumping the local kids for, for information. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're about as rude as he is. So. <laughs> yeah. I guess all kids will just like that. Yeah. My kids, maybe a couple more years, they're going to start shaking their fists at me, probably. Yeah. Oh, and a reference to Ed Gein. Did you get that one? No. Oh. He says, if it ain't Ed Gein Jr. making it cold cuts out of the cows, who is it? Um, Ed Gein was a famous, like, serial killer. From Ooh, the okay. Yeah. yeah, no, I didn't know that one. I, I'm surprised I missed that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice it the first time through either. Hmm. A, uh, All right. Again, the sixteen-year-old in nineteen eighty-six may not have thought of that as the first thing, but and that seems like something Dennis would would know about. <laughs> He's kind of anarchistic, yeah, but, yeah. in your okay. face, and like might be interested in serial killers and that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, now that I think about it, wasn't Dahmer in? Uh, Milwaukee is that mm. mid early 80s I feel like that was 90s okay but yeah because I, I I definitely remember that quite vividly which if it was early 80s I don't think I would yeah and perhaps I'm mixing him up with another Ted Bundy or something yeah probably all right so the after all of the research, basically it seems like the plan that they came up with involves a lot of their powers. So they borrow a cow, <laughs> march it out into the field. Uh, Lenore zaps it, you know, so her powers work on cows too. Um, Stephanie's super strong. She kind of catches it before it tips over and kind of lays it down gently. So no livestock were injured in the making of this zany scheme. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then we have ourselves a wampus too. <laughs> so uh, David plays the role of scared, or not David, uh, Dennis Skazinski plays the role of scared teen, you know, running to the farmer's fields. Help, I've seen it. I've seen it out there, the wampus. 
Um, and Jeff is our wampus. So he's blurry, so he's kind of weird to look at and hard to see. And he's got some kind of like fur cape draped over himself, like a bear skin almost. Uh, I forget if they talked about where they got that from. Um, he basically dances in front of the farmer and gets him to shoot at him. Uh, thankfully, not get, doesn't get hit and then kind of scatters and runs <laughs> away. <laughs> so this is very Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jeff's, Jeff's a good uh, like pick for that because you could like, oh, well, why don't you pick someone who glows or something? But he can dodge bullets. So that's a very helpful skill when you're trying to draw people's fire. Yeah. Yes, and it would be very hard to identify. So, uh, yeah, the farmer finds the cow, the cow's down, but still alive. So, you know, we must have got here in time before the wampus could really get at it. Uh, but as, as Jeff is fleeing, uh, he notices some lights in the woods. And what do you know it? Five troublesome teenagers in the woods. And this is not the troubleshooters, nor is it Psy Force. It's just a bunch of weirdos, I guess. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, just a, a bunch of weird kids in the woods. Uh, Jeff kind of jumps in to scare them. Um, they run for it. One of them chucks a knife at him, but you know, super speed, he catches it. Uh, it looked like they were either burying or unburying a little box in the woods, uh, which Jeff investigates and is like, good God, rotting cow organs? What's that? <laughs> so here's your cult weird yeah. teenagers in the woods gathering animal organs yeah i was kind of hoping these were the same teenagers that scuzz was talking to before that kind of brushed him off yeah not so much I, though i do not see anything no. they basically just look like a bunch of normal kids yeah. but anyway jeff runs them off kind of scares them uh well actually yeah rounds them up basically right so they've, they've kind of I like yeah, he's mad. He's mad at them. So he's yeah. like, "I am the spirit of the wampus. Confess what you did, or I will strangle you all with your own entrails." <laughs> it's like jeepers! Did I say that? <laughs> um, so it works. You know, they they got the kids to confess. Uh, apparently, they were just bored with hunting all the things they could found find in nature, uh, and then started to try and complete their checklist by checking off farm animals and then hiding their hearts in a cooler in the ground for some reason i don't know <laughs> it's a little strange uh but you know teenagers man always boys need problems. professional help <laughs> yes or just something to do in wisconsin apparently yeah video games weren't really very popular yet or like super uh interesting so if they only had Call of Duty, they could have gotten all that killing out of the way virtually. Yeah. <laughs> but we end on them driving off. Yeah, these boys need professional help. At least there's no such thing as a wampus. And then Jeff runs by the window in his wampus outfit. Oh, yeah, booga booga. <laughs> we just get an end here. No, no hint <laughs> at the next story. No words. Uh, no, no little... Uh, clue as to what's next here yeah that's disappointing but i love jeff going booga booga <laughs> with that wampus a lot of good jeff in this issue. Yeah. yep jeff and scuzz i think both did uh 
with some good appearances there. Uh, yeah, they're definitely both. Who got, yeah, uh, Lenore got good screen time, Stephanie. Um, I'd say Charlie's the only one we really don't know much about yet. Yeah, he really has been backgrounded for a little while other than, you know, saving the day a little bit uh, in the battle with the hunters, but we haven't, haven't had too much going on with her. But yeah, yeah, that, that's our issue. Yeah. What do you think about this one? If if uh, justice was an A minus, what's DP seven number four? Um, <laughs> putting you on the spot. I know you'll think I just give the same grade to every book, but uh, I was also giving an A minus for this one. Give it an A minus. Mm. <laughs> what do I do with the last one? Okay, that's good too. No, mm -hmm. I really like this because it kind of sets up a good um, um, sort of engine for the for the book. You've got the clinic chasing you, and you've got you can sort of hiding out in sort of uh, corners of America and having you know adventures or solving mysteries or whatever you you can do there. Um, that's the sort of thing that kept like the Incredible Hulk TV show going for a long time. Or okay. Even things like Battlestar Galactica have that like carrot and stick and like weekly problems. Oh, you're bored? You're, you're, now the clinic will attack you. Okay. Well. Mm -hmm. so, a new planet. It's that's a, a new great problem. sort of. Um, Yeah, it's nice to get away from that. And also we got a lot of their kind of interpersonal relations too. Like they kind of depend on each other, but sometimes don't really get along. You know, everybody's kind of hurting. Yeah, so I would also go A minus on this one. It, it was a good book, good art, great story. You know, it could almost be an A, honestly. It's a, it's a solid one. Uh, maybe if something more game changing happened. Um, but yeah, that's that's DP seven number four. Um, so we're coming up to issue fives now. We got a new Marvel Age to look at. Uh, maybe our solicitations will be more accurate. <laughs> maybe. Well. Oh um, so yeah. You. What did you find? Uh, Avengers two seventy six. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're strangely inconsistent about where the checklists are. Um, but yeah, in, in an Avengers comic, um, it, it had you know, all the issue four stuff that we didn't see it in any of these uh, new universe books didn't have the checklist. The, um, the thing I've noticed that I was that the, um, the pages per each issue vary more than I expected. I thought everything was like a consistent 22 pages at this point, but like, um, let's see, DP7 was 23 and Justice was 22 this week. Hmm. So they would uh, be able to, you know, add or subtract a page um, based on, um, you know, oh, well, we don't have room, you know, we have an extra page of art or 
we've got to fill it in with a house ad or something. So I didn't yeah. realize how much that varied from <laughs> issue to issue. Yeah, I thought they would generally like steal the letters page if they needed an extra page or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I think clearly at this point, they're, a lot of the comics are kind of grinding against deadlines. Um, and yeah, so some of them have had more Jack Furies than others, but uh, yeah, this, these ones seemed pretty consistent, but again, maybe they didn't have time to, uh, to throw in all those pieces. And so then we lose the uh, bullpen, bullpen bulletin and we lose the letters pages because they, they haven't gotten around to getting them done perhaps. Yeah, it's one thing to feel like you're off on your own, but it's another to feel like you're kind of lost and like um, not connected to everything else. Um, I think the new universe had its own bulletin, bullpen page. Um, I, did, I don't know if we'll get back to that soon, though. But That was I, consistent throughout other Marvel books, though, because like, the other books had the intro to the new universe, like those the same pages where they talked about uh, each issue a little bit for a couple months and then, you know, on those kind of things. So, but then, yeah, everything kind of fizzled, like the, the ad coordination, like, and you'd think since it's still so new, it would be nice if they're promoting all of the books in each book at this point. But again, you know, I think they just must've been running up on all kinds of deadline problems and, yeah, they got the yeah, pages, yeah. they got the ads in, and then ship it. That's right. Actually, they do a lot of ads for like, oh, this Comet Man or the other whatever is coming out. But they don't sort of cross promote the way they could be like, you know, here's, you know, oh, you're you're re reading Cyforce. Here's an ad for next week's DP7 or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like almost they already moved on to the next thing, like and then promoting full pages of Strikeforce Moratori and full pages of Comet Man. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, missed opportunity perhaps. Missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, so according to my sources, um, the Avengers uh, you cited was came out on the same day, November eleventh, eighty six. Okay, so but, it's a little late, a month later than the Marvel Age. I think that we'd uh, gotten these uh, blurbs from. So interesting. Hmm. So of all eight books. We're gonna read all the number fives. Uh, not even necessarily favorites, but I'm wondering for you then, like which one do you really can't wait to read? Like which one are you looking forward to the most? Hmm. Well, I gotta say next, we've been promised two crossovers in the number fives, right? Yeah. We've got Starbrand coming to Spitfire again and uh kickers inc and dp7 are going to meet and i guess that's going to be in kickers inc i yeah we haven't mentioned it in dp7 so it seems like it might be just contained in kickers of course dp7 should have said you know come back in a couple of weeks to kickers number five yeah um, should have, should have. Okay. come on editors um so yeah that's um that adds a little spice. Um, That's a Ralph Macchio problem, it seems. <laughs> what am I looking forward to? The um, 
I mean, yeah, they're the ones I enjoy the most versus like, is there anything that was like a cliffhanger? Um, well, Starbrand is kind of doing his thing, right? So he was he was trying to gra- figure out like what really happened when he gained his powers, right? And then he kind of had a run-in with some paranormals who kind of beat him up, <laughs> but not really a cliffhanger, right? Spitfire is going to jail. You're um, going to jail. And, and her suit's wrecked. So that might be the most cliffhangery of them all, right? Yeah. So Night Mask you know, kind of barely survived a showdown with Lady Midnight, right? And then maybe uh, had an opening where the bad guy was going to attack his sister. Um, Cyforce, they said they were going to uh, meet another paranormal, maybe someone who could have been in Cyforce. Yeah, but there's no, there was no story clues to that. So that'll be kind of like a fresh, you know. Yeah, it doesn't sort of, yeah, there's no direct. Yeah. Mark, no one's made the appearance yet. Mark Hazard is maybe also going to jail, but we're not sure. They've been promising something about like a, a friend's daughter or something, um, which I, we might be getting this time. It'll be. Yeah, I wondered if that was just kind of like a, like that turned into the, the whole bus fiasco with the terrorist kidnapping all of Mark Hazard's known acquaintances except for the ones with guns <laughs> <laughs> and helicopters um yeah kickers is is teased like that was a cool teaser at the end i, I think honestly at this point i want to read kickers inc like it's not my favorite book but it's so all over like i have no clue what's going to happen and i think a showdown with dp7 could be a lot of fun okay so that's that's strangely enough that's the one I really want to read, but I have not jumped ahead. Uh, you know, Starbrand with Shooter still on it is is really um, great for me. But yeah, like you said, that's uh, it didn't leave us on a cliffhanger. Whereas Justice really is like, all right, boss fight number two, you know, coming up. Um, so I guess that's probably the one I'm most like excited for. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that could go anywhere too, right? I mean, it could be another showdown with an even bigger bad, but you know, he doesn't know where he is. Throw you into a third world? I mean, oh, no. anything could have, you know. He, yeah. And like I say, the Becky that's... Chambers finds Queen what's her name's lipstick on Justice's <laughs> collar, and like, what is this? Space, yeah, Becky, you're, you're the one with the pure uh, the pure aura of mine i don't know so much about yeah yeah the um uh, so justice did not kill anyone this issue he's been kind of like really tailing off yeah i don't know if um it's going to be like a one-on-one with the the guy or it's going to be like he what he expected in this issue where he goes and there's a bunch of hounds and that um tattoo assassin and you know right yeah he's still out there throwing you at that'd be cool Um, yeah it's bound to be good so i i would say there's none of them that i'm bored with or not interested in um 
you know, they're all have, they all have a direction and it's all fun. Um, and really it's maybe Cyforce is perhaps the most open-ended, like they don't really have a focused bad guy right now. Yeah, I mean, the Russians haven't shown up for a few issues and they're not as um, tenacious as the clinic is in DP7. So it's an open yeah. question if the CIA or the KGB or whatever are going to pop up any minute or they're just sort of, um, we're sort of brainwashed into forgetting about them at least for a while. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they never show up again. We don't know. At this point, we don't. I would be sad if we. Uh, what was it? Who was the bad guy in that one? Mindwolf. Mindwolf. Yeah, that would be a waste of a great nickname. Yeah. I mean, we got Steelhawk. It's kind of <laughs> cool, but Mindwolf, I feel, is way cooler than Steelhawk. Yeah, that's, that's, those names are still showing some effort. I remember <laughs> in the 90s, like people would just try to copyright like a list of nouns or possibly adverbs or something. <laughs> Every, you know, various combinations of blood, death, black, and blood sword versus death strike. stick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 90s were pretty bad. <laughs> I just, I, although I just heard there's a uh, current Marvel mutant called Gentle, perhaps. I was like, uh, maybe. What? Yeah. That seems like it's like anti action. Kind of <laughs> well, there's so many mutants, I guess. You start to so, run out of ideas. I suppose the. Um, uh, have uh, more chances perhaps to talk about the paranormals versus mutants uh, and such things in the future. Um, let's the, see. The mutants seem pretty whiny at this point compared to what our paranormals have to deal with. Like, like you always hear about like the X-Men, like, oh no, like this world doesn't accept me kind of thing. But really like everybody's having a bad time in the new universe. Like, yeah. Yeah, very few of the X-Men actually have the physical deformity kind of that DP7. They're all supermodels, yeah. Yeah, the the women are all dropped and gorgeous. Right. Um and like and... there's even like the odd characters they had, like there was I think X-Men had Destiny who was like an older woman who yeah. saw into the future, but like recently they de-aged her back into like 20 something young supermodel oh, and then uh there was like the woman that in the, the morlocks leader that storm fought in that sort of famous x-men thing like you know, and callisto callisto yeah and modern books too like she's gorgeous but has an eye patch you know? <laughs> like, like what did you do <laughs> um yeah yeah the yeah um... if you want to read about some real people <laughs> people with powers that are having a tough time new universe yeah they uh i don't really think of the deep dp7 as that deformed but yeah as i said this time at least half of them are unable to sort of show themselves in public without attracting stares so yeah, yeah. 
You always kind of imagine wanting superpowers, but would you trade places with any of them? <laughs> like maybe best case scenario is the, the doctor guy or Charlie who's, you know, she could just not use her powers. She's probably actually probably be the one that you would want to trade with. Yeah, she's the most uh, normal looking and her powers are pretty subtle. Like they're. Yeah, nobody's really going to tie it to her as far as things go. But um, yeah, let's see. Sounds like that might be a wrap. I think that will be about it for today. Um, don't forget our contest over on our website, kickersinc.com. You can yeah. also... Um, Do you want to preview out. what's coming next? And um, look for that. Um, next time, we'll be covering star brand number five. And we have actually two blurbs here. So yeah, two Star possible brand. futures. We'll see which <laughs> path we take. <laughs> what does the future hold? How about okay, you first... read one? I'll read one. Okay. Starbrand crosses, crosses Gaddafi's line of death. The result is war. <laughs> Written by Jim Shooter, penciled by John Romita Jr. and inked by Al Williamson. Or a Mediterranean non-Qaddafi dictator <laughs> uh, has threatened drastic consequences for anyone who crosses his line of death. Enter Starbrand. That's a little more subtle. We don't know exactly that the result is war. <laughs> the line of death is making a... Is, There's is definitely going to be a line. It's definitely going to be a line of death. Where we take it from there, we're not sure. And Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, number five. Jenny Swenson is in jail for murder. Two of the troubleshooters are determined to break her out. And why is Kenneth Connell, better known as Starbrand, involved in this story? Written by Jerry Conway and penciled by Herb Trimpey. I don't know why he's involved in the story. It doesn't really add up. Or Starbrand must fight Spitfire and the life of a troubleshooter hangs in the balance. And that's pretty different. Yeah. One makes it sound like he's going to rescue her and one that he's going to fight her to stay in jail or something. And her armor's broken? So is he going to like fight just straight Jenny? That's a good question. That you doesn't know, seem fair. Let me not, I hate to throw something at you, a curveball at the last second, but Curve the, it. The, um, I think that's a good um, we were talking about why the women are getting kind of sidelined in the new universe. And Jenny being in the armor doesn't look like a woman. So that sort of opens her up for more action. They're really like missing by not uh, taking advantage of that more. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. Anyway. So uh, we've, uh, as we said, the kickersinc.com come on by and please um, try out your your luck on our summer sweepstakes contest oh yeah free comics don't even yeah. pay shipping we'll ship anywhere <laughs> we may regret it but we will okay everyone in finland has been downloading this thing yeah i think we'll, there's someone in belgium we'll make the sacrifice well, Actually, I actually have a friend who just moved back to Belgium, so who knows? Do not think I told him about the podcast, though. If there's a friend that you have not told about our podcast, then you are not doing your job, man. 
Uh, okay. I've been giving comics to coworkers. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like that drug yeah. dealer in in Night Mask, <laughs> trying to get him hooked. And in front of the hardware store. <laughs> got your Spitfires, got your Star Brands. Come on. Come on. <laughs> okay. Until next week, when we'll see you back at the spinner rack.